test, test, testing, test, test, testing. Oh, hey, Cody, what's <clears throat> up, man? You ready to record this next episode of the podcast, dog? Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, you betcha. Oh, you're still talking in the accent, huh? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mm. know that Fargo accent is a lot of fun there, that Minnesotan one. A Minnesotan accent is a good time, yeah. It is. You know, yeah. You know, we still we still need something to do there for our intro, Cody. Oh, yeah, geez. I mean... Oh, geez, you're right. I mean, you think it would be reasonable to just talk like we're from the midwest there oh geez okay yeah 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 okay i think we could we could work with that there oh, right yeah i think so yeah i don't think anyone would mind at all no no i uh, no, uh, no no way that wouldn't be unreasonable no no well what do you say we just talk about fargo then eh okay yeah okay oh, oh you betcha oh real good then okay <laughs> okay real good so, then. okay real good then Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Reel, episode six there today. Whoa, daddy, oh, daddy. I'm one of your hosts, Brendan, here with my other host, Cody. Hello, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. I don't either, but you know what? Maybe they'll respond. But what's up? Well, just speaking to the void here. Not much, man. How you doing today, Cody? I'm doing well. Hope all of our listeners are doing well as well. Yeah, I hope they're having a good day, having a good whatever day you're listening to this on. If it's Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, you know, just all the Wednesday, little, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. All seven days of the week that exist. The rest of them. You know, they're all there. But uh, yeah, guys, today we're talking about Fargo. Um, this is a movie directed by the Cohen brothers. Well, directed by Joel Cohen, written and I guess directed by both Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, one of the early Cohen brothers films here. I think it was released in 1996, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Yep, 1996. There. Um, this was the first time I saw it for me today. Um, I gotta say it was uh it was fun for me the first time watching it i don't know what about you cody yeah um it was uh i mean it wasn't my first time watching it but mm -hmm. um no i mean this movie's great i always enjoy this movie every time i've seen it um <laughs> yeah i already know uh i already know what you missed it's okay we can go back but yeah um uh yeah anyways let's just go back right now yeah go ahead. yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna go back <laughs> we're and, just gonna preface this episode yeah, real quick we're just gonna brennan's got a duty oh that he God. didn't he, he didn't so he just didn't abide by you know, no i've i've been following I the rules of the i forgot episode. to tell everybody the structure that, that there's a structure brendan there's a structure and all right I tell everybody it. i'll shut up i'm I talking mean, over you i messed it up guys i forgot to say that we are going to spoil the movie Fargo. It's uh it's if you haven't seen it, I recommend pausing this, going to watch the movie first and then coming back to listen. And then on top of that, we're going to say some bad words. We might we might not. We're never really sure what's going to fly out of our mouths on these microphones here, but uh sometimes a fuck or a shit might come out. So we do yeah. like to give the warning of explicit language. 
as well. Like I said, I forgot. I, my apologies there, everybody. Uh, hey, it's okay. Yeah, it happens to the best of us there. All right, then. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All good, then. Anyways. Okay. So, moving forward. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> back to uh, what we were talking about initially, Fargo. Yes, Fargo. Um, yeah, so me... Uh, it wasn't my first time watching it. Uh, when we watched it, I had seen it a few times prior in my history of being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a weird way to put it, but I'm going to put it that way anyway. Seen it a few times in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> no, like it, it's always, I, I love this movie. It's always a pleasantry to watch just because of how simple it is yet how, well structured it is and how well made it is like from a script perspective to an act to the acting to the iconic locations just like in the middle of North Dakota and Brainerd with uh, all these snowy backdrops (laughs) in Fargo for one scene yeah right Fargo (laughs) for one scene and uh, all these snowy backdrops and uh, just the relationships, like the rich relationships that the characters share with one another and how the Tory, the, the Tory, how the story is told <laughs> um, through the lens of uh, the Coen brothers and Roger Deakins. Um, yeah, so. I, I agree. I will. I will say I don't know what it was about, like the first time I watched this movie, the first time we watched it. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it and I liked it, but there were like. A few things I kind of had like gripes with, like, like I thought that I was supposed to know what Jerry was needed all this money for or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I thought it was some kind of reason or whatever, like he was in some kind of weird criminal shit and we never found that out. And that like, I don't know, that upset me. But then I came back and I watched it again and I like realized like we'll get into it later. But like that, obviously, it doesn't really matter so much to the point of why he needed the money, just that he wanted the money. Um, right. But no, I, like for me, this I've, and, I've seen. And we kind of did. I know we kind of discussed it before we jumped on the pod here. But the fact that maybe he just wanted the money for the investment that he wanted to make. Yeah. For, for, with, uh, for with Wade. And Wade. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> be, because he wanted to make that investment himself. So he was thinking he could get the loan from Wade. Yeah. But if not, this is was essentially going to be his loan, except it was, it was just going to be. Yeah. You so know. so I guess so before we get too much into it, we should probably we should probably break down the movie because this is a movie where like story <laughs> is pretty important. To, like, what's well, going yeah, on. absolutely. There's you know? I mean, so many things are happening. Um, like there's so many different wheels turning at the same time. Yeah. In exactly. the way that the story is told and like the story is told so precisely and concisely just in the way that Coen Brothers do, like with such subtle details yeah. like, mixed in there. And uh and the movie's short. Like it's a pretty relatively short movie. It's so just like a little over an hour it's and so a half. compact in the way that it's told. There's just so many things going on like simultaneously. Yeah. That is all obviously intertwined into the obviously the just the one main overarching story, which is, you know, the like greed and Jerry uh yeah. trying to have his wife kidnapped just so he can get the money in the first place. Like that's all the yeah. overarching story. <laughs> but like there's nuts. so many like weaving uh and intersecting parts with the different characters involved like as soon as um 
as soon as uh, Jean gets kidnapped, Jerry's wife, like as soon as that scene happens and everything just kind of like takes off and like crazy shit starts to hit the fan and, um, you know, the, the chase scene on the road in the middle mm. of the night with the cop when, kill, when, when uh, Garrett Col- uh, kills the cop. And then the to the couple and, that drive by. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so before we even get into yeah, all that, all right, so, it's a lot. Yeah. I know this movie. It's this movie's really good. I as I keep watching it, like I think I've seen it three times now since we watched it the first time, and okay, says, yeah. it gets better every time for me. I like. I mean, I love Margie and everything, but so what this movie is is this movie is about a guy Jerry Lundegaard, played by William H Macy. Mm-hmm. He devises this plan with a couple of criminals um, played by Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormrare. Mm-hmm. I think their name will just be Carl and Gear. Um, Grimsrud is Gear's last name. Showalter is Carl's, but, you know, that's not really that important, except for, like, one time. But <laughs> anyways, um, uh, <laughs> Jerry meets up with them in Fargo to discuss a plan about how he wants them to go and fake kidnap his wife. So he can get his wife's dad to pay a ransom of $80,000, but really it's $750,000 to get her back. Yes. Um, and He's so. He's not telling them that yeah. because he wants to give them much less. Yes. And obviously, Carl and Gare do the right thing and they question Jerry as we are because we're like, why? What the? What are you doing here, man? Like, mm-hmm. what does he say? It's he like, he says, why would you rob Peter to pay Paul? Yeah. Why would it you rob Peter sense. to pay Paul? Yes. Yeah. So that's what he says. So they're confused, but Jerry's just like, oh no, I need the money for personal matters. Don't worry about it. Don't ask questions. And then he's like, and I'm doing it this way because they can't know that I need the money or want mm-hmm. it. And so that's the start of the movie. So, from there, we just we're kind of going out through um, what happens. Shit kind of obviously goes off the rails. We from here, what, what should, where should we go to next? From here, I mean, really, I honestly, um, I mean, every just, I mean, honestly, just yeah, it kind of a lot happens. The story, like everything, every little moment in this film seems to be important in some aspect. Like you can't really skip over anything. Yeah. What so. Basically, what happens is after Jerry meets with them, I mean, we go back home to Jerry's house. He's with his family. Um, Jerry clearly isn't like, I mean, we kind of get a picture that Jerry's not really so much a family man. Like, he has a family and a wife and child that he quote unquote loves, but he's really just looking to get rich quick right now. And he's just not really caring about anything he's doing affecting whoever. Right. Yeah. Um, He's kind of, he's. Yeah. And we. and he's a sad, lonely, and he's kind guy. of a sleazeball, pathetic too, right? sleazeball kind. Yeah. Of, well, kind of a sleazeball. I mean, I feel like, like I was saying earlier before the before before we hopped on the pod here is like his character. Like you do feel some sort of sympathy towards him just because he's so pathetic, and he does have that like even though he's not a good guy because what he's doing is like not good. He mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing this. Like he's putting his family in danger for no reason at all just because he's greedy and wants the money and he doesn't want to well, like take the hard road which would be actually just like going in on it with Wade and getting a certain percentage back which yeah. would honestly be fine but he's just greedy so he's doing it this well, yeah I way. also I but at the same time like you do see like his character and how he's like 
always kind of like lonely and the way I know we're going to get into it later, but like the way that the shots are framed mm -hmm. and how he's always like framed like behind someone and people aren't really paying attention to him or they're not looking at him because they don't really care about him as much. Yeah. Um, and he's always, or there's always like two people just kind of taking him yeah. on or, or whatever. It's just kind of just to signify that like people like he just basically he's, Take shit from everybody. He's and like he's an extra. that type of guy. Yeah, he's an extra. He's, yeah, he's yeah. just he just he's an NPC. He just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. takes shit from everybody all the time. And like, obviously, this is why he's had it up to here, and he's sick of it, and he wants to be like Wade. Well, he wants to have money like Wade, so that yeah. people look up to him, like people look up to Wade. And I also and I think, think that's why where his greed stems from, and it. Well, yeah, I think that's so, also why he does everything too without like really thinking about what's gonna happen like, like i don't think he really understands what he's doing when he hires two criminals to go and kidnap no his yeah wife. You he know doesn't what I mean? he's naive to that yeah he's naive yeah. to the because he's just he's just he kind just of a wants, dumb minnesotian yeah, guy he's just who's a stupid, just like yeah he's yeah. a stupid car salesman who yeah. wants money he just wants money right like who doesn't want money, right? But mm -hmm. I mean, but yeah. yeah, that's that's why. Like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but there is this like part of him that you can sympathize with. I feel like, yeah, I no, it I, I you think know, he's I not, he's agree. not just yeah. a bad guy through and through that you don't care about. And I think part of that is ju just due to the fact that William H Macy plays Jerry. I think William H Macy is perfect casting choice for well, Jerry. Funny about that enough, William H Macy actually really wanted to play Jerry. He like I don't know if you if you read this, but you probably did. But so so in preparing like auditioning for the role, William H Macy he read for the role twice for the Cohen brothers, mm -hmm. and the Cohen brothers didn't like him. There was someone else that they wanted to go with. Um, it was uh, I don't remember what his name was, but. Uh, but what happened was he read for him twice. The Cohen brothers had told him that they don't really, they were thinking they might not want to go with him. But William H. Macy flew out to New York and met with them again and was able to convince them that he should be playing the role. Yeah, I, I think he told them that he would uh, shoot their dogs if they didn't give yeah. him the part. Yeah, of course. I well, hopefully he was joking about that. I'm pretty I sure would he assume. Was. I yeah. would assume he was. But joking. yeah, he did. I would he assume that he just knew the Coen Brothers on that level at that point to where like they had had meetings and like talked before yeah. that like he could I mean, joke around with him and yeah, be like, "Listen, like just, if you don't give me this part, I'm gonna fucking kill your dogs, dude." <laughs> 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 so it's like it's just gonna happen bro yeah, there's nothing like, you can like, do like, about it like either either i'm jerry lundengardner or it's not a threat or, it's a promise troll like, cohen or lundengard <laughs> or i'm fucking killing your dogs it's like it's not a threat it's a promise ethan cohen yeah <laughs> like but like you will come home from set one night and but, your dogs will be fucking dead but he <laughs> was so he was Anyways. not wrong he was right he does an incredible job playing jerry lundengard as like we even said earlier William H. Macy was in Boogie Nights which as mm -hmm. we all know we're a big fan of but we say like he just does a really good job playing that kind of like like disheveled like yeah. maybe not disheveled that's the wrong well, word to no, say but like I guess the character that people take shits on yeah just like, <laughs> like that he's they don't really care good about. at playing the npc yeah, <laughs> yeah as like uh -huh. the the punching bag even like. i think william h macy is just a fantastic actor period yeah um i think every like he's just a guy that really can do it all i feel yeah. like he's just so good in every role he's in and like so many roles of his are so different yeah but he's just 
I don't know. For in this role, he's just so phenomenal. No, I Terry. agree. I don't, like yeah. I, don't, I feel like there's not a lot of people who could have probably pulled off, especially making like pe- you feel like like sympathize with the character because his character is kind of the, that you know a sleaze ball in the way that he's doing things. Yeah, but like, he's, he's just, a bad he's guy. A he's not ball because but, he's like naive and sort of stupid to yeah, him. Like uh-huh. he doesn't think he is. He doesn't think that right. what he's like he thinks he's doing good for his family. Right, right, right. By having his wife get kidnapped and exactly stealing That's why money he's like from you know because he keeps say, he says that a couple of times. He's like, grandpa. oh yeah, you know. what? I'm doing this for Gene and Scotty. Yeah, it's exactly. For me, you know, for Gene and Scotty, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, but, uh, <laughs> but so anyway, as we as the movie goes on, we sort of learn, like, more about Jerry. And he's he's got this deal that he's trying to get um, Gene, his wife's dad, to go in on him and, like, sort of invest or give him money to invest on. He doesn't want him to invest with him. He wants her dad to give him the money to invest, mm-hmm. which as you were saying earlier is what I think. And I think you're right. I think that is just what he really wants the money for. He's either in some crazy amount of debt or. Yeah. Which I never picked that up from the movie anywhere. Like, cause there was never like any other, like, never, I feel like if there was like, if he was in deep with sharks, there would have been some other story like intertwined with that. Cause people would probably be after him for someone, the money or yeah, something. Right. So like, I don't feel like it was anything like that. That's why I just feel like that's the only thing that I saw him actually like wanting the money towards. And in I, that meeting, like before right. he got that meeting, he was going to call off the kidnapping because he was like, Hey, I'm going to get the money. Like I mean, I'm he cool probably just was doing it. You're right. So honestly, I think that's he what just it was wanted for, to honestly. feel important to get yeah. the money, to have it. So he could be like, look, I have this for you guys now. Right. And we don't need like your dad. Cause it looks, it really looks like Wade lives in the house with them in Minneapolis. Cause I'm pretty sure he's like always there with them or at least there for dinner. Maybe he doesn't live with them, but he's there a lot. Yeah. I don't think he lives. With yeah. Them. He doesn't live with them, but he's there a lot of the time with them. Yeah. So he, and and clearly Jerry He's is just like close with Gene and Scott. Well, yeah. Well, even his daughter and that his too. Grand, but so. like, even then, like with like his son, like when Scotty leaves dinner that first time to go to McDonald's and uh, Wade's like, you're just going to let him go and do that. Yeah. It's like, he's trying to like control Jerry's kid or whatever, but right. right. But so clearly like there's some sort of disconnect between Jerry and Wade. That, oh, that, we, yeah. that is established there. But Absolutely. so, um, I mean, you can clearly tell that just in the way that Jerry is like, the way that Jerry acts around Wade and just in general, like how he just is kind of timid around Wade. Like he just yeah. kind of takes the back seat because Wade is the boss. Like Wade's when, when mm-hmm. Wade's around, Wade's the boss. Yeah. You know? And exactly. And, yeah. and I, so I guess Jerry probably just feels like he doesn't have his balls anymore. Jerry when, wants you know, to be the boss. He yeah. wants, that's why he, he wants that money. And that's yeah. why he strives for that. And that's, yeah. That's why he set this up, but he thought it was going to be easier than, well, because he you didn't because he's naive. Well, he but. didn't think that Wade and Stan were going to think that his investment was good because he gets the phone call at home from Wade. Wade talks to his like investment partner, Stan. Right. And he's yeah. like, you know, that investment you, you talked to me about, it's actually pretty good. So why don't you come and meet us and we'll talk mm-hmm. about it. And that's when Jerry is then like, oh, I got to call those guys and have them yeah. not come kidnap my wife. But then he can't get a can't get, can't a, hold get a hold of them because they're already on their way to kidnap her. So yep. that's that, Jerry. That sucks. That really sucks, Jerry. But, you know. You, too little too late. It's there. the game you played, man. It's the game you played. But anyway, so so Carl and Gear show up to kidnap Which is Gene, a great scene. Which is an amazing, amazing scene. Which, it's, yeah, we got to start talking about some of our favorite scenes yeah. in this movie. This scene is I love this scene. Just the way that uh, when they just first show up and Gene's sitting there on the couch, she's watching TV and 
uh, uh, Carl comes to the window and he like looks in the window and he's like looking through and clearly, you know, she's sitting on the couch and he's just kind of like looking through and he's like, oh, and she's like looking at him like, what? What's yeah. going on? Like, what's and she's just looking, and I'd well, be like, like, you know, Carl she's just like, is what, what like, is happening here? Like, I, I think, I think yeah. watching it again a second time, I think Carl was looking through the window, looking for gear to make sure gear was at the front yeah, door. I think but, that makes sense. But at first, like, I was kind of like Gene. I was like, what is he looking for? Like, mm-hmm. is there something? Is he looking for someone else? And then he finally breaks the window. And it, it's so hilarious. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's equally hilarious and also terrifying because poor Gene is getting kidnapped right. by two very scary men. Yeah, it's no, and it's especially terrifying in that way. Like, that's what I love about the balance in this movie, too. It just mm-hmm. in Coen Brothers movies in general, there are, they always do it really well. They balance, like, the realism of, of uh, like, violence in their movies yeah. And the realism of, you know, comedy, mm. like there's always like a real good mix of uh, both of just like just this natural feeling comedy in their films that just feels very natural. Like it's all spread out throughout this movie. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. Just in the way that, you know, people talk in the way that their conversations just, are. Just and, the accent alone. Well, they, yeah, the oh accents. Yeah. I love Margie so much. Yeah. And just the way that characters interact with one another is very uh, realistic. I know we've said this on past episodes about um, other movies, but it, this one has it. You know, the Coen brothers do it really well. Uh, but they're like I was saying, they balance um, both, you know, comedy and violence really well um, yeah. because the the realism in that scene, going back to that scene when she's being kidnapped, um, when Carl and Gare break in and she's frantic and she runs up the stairs and she gets into the bathroom and she's in the bathroom and then. They're 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 the bathroom door and banging on the door. Yeah, I know they, you said it was shot to look like The Shining. Yeah, they um, framed it to look framed, like yeah. the scene from The Shining uh-huh. with, with Jack Nicholson and the huge Johnny. Yep. So, uh, and it just like it is a terrifying scene um, but, in that way. But it's like in a movie that's like it's like obviously it's it's a it's really a drama film, like a crime drama. Yeah. I guess you'd say, but it's definitely a drama. Um. But it definitely, like, in that moment, it is a terrifying moment. And then it just has, like, this, like I said, just a very fine balance. Yeah, well, because it's funny because, like, the way he breaks in. And then I I think it's hilarious that that she ends up knocking herself out because she hides in the shower, tries to run away and get stuck in the curtain and falls down the stairs. Like, that's that's slapstick (laughs) gold, baby. (laughs) It's like, that's too funny. And then he comes down and just pokes the body. It's hilarious to me. I don't know. I have a weird sense of humor, I guess. No, it is funny. It is funny. It's yeah. But so uh, that's a great scene, and then uh, one, my favorite sequence in the movie is the 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 scene where Carl and Gare kill the police officer, yeah. and then the couples because that whole no, that one's I love like that it's scene. so mm-hmm. like intense. Like so, first they get pulled over, and then Carl tries to bribe the cop that's trying to write him a ticket, doesn't go well, and so Gare just like rips him into the window, shoots him in the head, mm-hmm. and then is like, "Whoa, daddy." <laughs> Oh, oh, daddy. <laughs> and because that's like, what else are you going to say there when a cop oh, gets man. domed right in your lap, right? Which is, that's why we call the episode, Whoa, Daddy, Oh, yeah, Daddy. There it is. Now you know. Whoa, if you daddy, were wondering oh, why we say, Whoa, Daddy, Oh, Daddy, it's because... Carl says, Whoa, Daddy, a few times in this movie. Yeah, whoa. But he says oh, it 
Whoa, yeah, yeah, right after the cop gets his skull. And then, and it's great because like, it's like, so like that, it really, it comes out like, I mean, you kind of see it, it's about to happen and you know it, but like, though, just the way that it happens so fast, like he Mm -hmm. grabs him so fast and shoots him. And then there's just like, okay, there's a dead cop now. And yeah, let's talk about, let, yeah, let's talk about Gare for a second. Yeah, please. Gare, uh, like his character, like he doesn't barely talk in this movie. Mm. Uh, Mostly it's Carl. Yeah. And when Gare does talk, he has this, um, he's just unsettling. He's, uh, the way that Peter Stormare plays the character, he's so unsettling. But obviously the Coen brothers, they distinctly knew what they well, wanted yeah. with all of their characters. He almost never speaks in a complete sentence. Yeah. He, never, he only does yep. once or twice. Yep. He doesn't say, uh, he doesn't say much. I think he only has... He has a few actual lines. He has, I think it was a total of 19 lines yeah. compared to Steve Buscemi's total of like, like 150. A, a one, I think it was more than yeah. 150. Like, or two. like the ratio was like, like yeah. it was like nine Steve Buscemi lines to every three Peter Stormrayer lines in right. the movie. Yeah, he didn't have he didn't have much to say. But furthermore, on top of that, it played into his character and how like you never like. There was something unsettling about him, especially the way that he never had anything to say and you never, like, you were always wondering what he was thinking. Yeah. And I know, obviously, like, Carl gives off that notion as well in the scene when he's talking about when they're driving and he's like, you never, like, you're not saying anything. Like, you're just being silent. Yeah. I forget exactly how he's phrasing it, but basically it's that. And, um... And obviously, he's kind of like taken aback by the fact that he's not talking. Well, he's uncomfortable yeah. with him because he's like, "Why are you so quiet all right. the time? Like, we're driving. Right. I've been driving for four hours, and you haven't. You like, yeah. you said the last thing you said to me was no. Yeah, like so. He's it. just uncomfortable. It makes it uncomfortable. So like, it makes when you watch him, it's unsettling in the way that like you know he is like a sociopath. You know he's going to do something that's going to be fucked up eventually. Yeah. You just kind of, you you never know his next move. Yeah. Yeah, While you're watching him. So you just kind of feel like there's going to be a moment. And like, that was the moment in the scene when he kills the cop and Carl obviously sees it too. And Carl's like, Holy shit. Like, Mm-hmm. things get, just got real like because yeah. carl was in it for the money too obviously but carl's also he's he's a pretty bad guy you just don't think that he has it in him to kill like like yeah. garrett does because he doesn't seem as sociopathic as well, garrett does carl's because talking and carl, acting yeah, like carl's a human talking. being yeah but then i guess later on in the movie you do come to find out Carl has that in him too. Well, he's, yeah, and he takes a, getting shot in the jaw first. Yeah. So I mean that's okay. I'll give him that. He can. I would probably want to shoot someone after I got shot in the jaw too. But right. No, <laughs> but well, the interesting thing to me, um, and I know we're gonna, I'm, I'm bouncing towards the end of the movie here, but that's okay. It's uh, something that I came across when I was kind of just like researching the movie is uh, the idea that. Between the two characters, Carol or Carl and Gare, um, Gare feels like he's the worst, you know, worst of the two. He feels like he's more um, insane than than Carl is, and he's just a badder guy than Carl is. It feels like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, throughout the movie. But then in the end, like obviously, like Gare's doing these horrific things. He's put like he killed the he killed gene and he's putting her in the wood chipper he killed carl and he's putting him in the wood chipper and he's done these like just these horrific things to people um but gare gets to live 
the Coen brothers make this interesting decision that Gare gets to live in the end. Mm -hmm. He just gets, instead of getting like shot to death or getting shot in the head. Well, Marge just shoots him in the leg. Yeah. I think that's just that that's in a, that's in a testament to how like, like Marge is just like good. Like she's right. That's correct. Yes. And it's part of that morality of Marge, but at the same time, why does Gary get to be the character that lives and Carl's the one who dies? Because the Coen brothers had to make that decision. Well, I feel you like, know? well, yeah. So well, so why is that? It, let, let's dig a little bit deeper on that, I will, we? Yeah, fucking yeah, we can. Because uh, I was just thinking about it, and I was just like, you know, that is interesting. Yeah, like, to I, me, I, I, why? I think it's, well, because, to me, it's, I think it's because is Carl. It, is it because it's just real? Like, pe- people get fucked up. Like, Scotty, like, look at Scotty. Yeah. Scotty's well, ending this movie, and he's just a kid, and he's ba- basically going to be an orphan now. Because Wade gets, his grandfather gets killed. Yeah. His mom gets killed. And, and his dad's going to prison, prison for life, basically, because he set all this up. And so, yeah. and he, and, and Scotty finds out basically that, uh, that his dad want, had his mom kidnapped. And like his, so like just knowing that it's going to fuck Scotty up. Well, yeah. Well, so it's kind I don't of a know. fucked up ending for Scotty. So well, I guess not everyone's always going to win. No. Well, the, I mean, just, but the thing know. with Scotty is that the unfortunate part is that none of it's his choice, right? Like Scotty's Absolutely, just a, yeah. like, like a victim to it because mm-hmm. he's their son. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But the By thing, the, the thing with Carl and the reason I think, well, Carl probably died is, I mean, Carl out of the two, I would say was the more greedy because like, yeah. like, yeah, Gare was like a sociopath and definitely wanted to kill Gene and whoever else the whole time, which actually is why he ended up killing Gene. When, Cause when Carl comes back after getting shot in the head, he sees Gene who's knocked over on the floor. I didn't know if she was dead at first, but she was dead. Gare, yeah. Like that's implied that Gare killed her, mm-hmm. which is the case. But, um, but so, um, like, I would say that Carl dies because he was like, I don't know, he was more, he was more greedy because, because Carl ended up being the one who went out on town. Like he was impatient. Like Gary yeah. was fine waiting there, but Carl got impatient and yes, was like, exactly. I need to go pick up an escort and whatever. But then also, Carl's the one who decided to still lie to Gare and not bring back all the, all money, the money, right? Yep. Like he gave him. He still was gonna be like the eighty thousand, and then even then he wasn't like, no, I'm not giving you the car, idiot. Like mm-hmm. you can have the car, and then that's when Gare finally snapped, and he was like, dude, you lied to me. What the fuck? And then Gare killed him, and so and and so I think the reason Gare survived is because he wasn't really like 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 Margie gives him that kind of monologue about being in it for the money but gare wasn't really in it for the money i think gare was just he was just there because they reached out to him and well maybe he was because that's originally why macy or why jerry reached out to them for help because gare is the one that shep knew yeah Mm -hmm. to get macy or (laughs) to get jerry the help right but but because i don't think Gare was really in it for the money. No, it doesn't seem that way. It seems he, like Gare he, really, he didn't care. Yeah. Like, it felt like Gare, like, he was just there and... Yeah, which is, like, but why? But why, what, like, why Why was he there? Why did he take on the job? Was he only do like, and why, how, how did Gare know Carl? And why, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, Why maybe was it was Gare's plan that he was going to maybe murder this lady the whole time anyways. Or, or, yeah, or maybe it was just Gare's thought that he didn't, like, want... He doesn't care 
that much about the money and the whole situation seemed shady to him. So he just had Carl come along. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, but, but I, I'm, um, I'm not sure why Gare gets to live. I would imagine. I don't know. I can't tell you why. I don't know why he would. Is but it by the luck of the draw? Because Marge is just I that think, type of person. I, well, I think it's just because. And also just because, yeah. uh, you know, like. Yeah, he's a sociopath, but that's all that he was. He didn't have all this greed, and he wasn't just killing people or having people kidnapped because of his yeah. greed. Like he, like just, he, like he, was he was just, just involved because too. he was a sociopath. He was there because Jerry called him and was like, yeah, I yeah. guess I'm not doing anything else, so I can do this. Right. But even then, like, Gare never, like, Jerry kind of made the whole deal with Carl. Because Gare, Gare barely ever talked. So he was just like... right. Just along for the ride. Yeah, pretty much. But ha- but he had to have also been the one to have set up the meeting. Or maybe, or I wonder if Gare lives with Carl. And then, like, Shep got him in touch with Gare. But Jerry just ended up talking to Carl instead of Gare and made it. But, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But whatever the case. Whatever it the case. It doesn't It matters. doesn't make sense. I, I think it would be, though, like what you said, is because Marge is just, in the end, the one that found gear and is the one that like because because when he was running away she could have shot him and killed him like almost everybody that ran away was shot and killed in this well everybody that did run away was shot and killed in this movie because like Mm -hmm. there was the one guy that was trying to run away from the car crash that gear killed and then he tried to want to run away but margie shot him in the leg yep and arrested him and so i think it's i think it is because it's it's it could be because of the greed but also because like margie was the one that decided not to kill him because she didn't want to or is just yeah. a good police i think officer. yeah i think i think it's because of margie's character i think yeah she's she just a, she's character. a good person she's, she's a very good person and just, like she's a simple person simple. She's she just, wears her heart on her sleeve um as I feel like a lot of people do in the in, She reminds uh, me of my mom. She does. She reminds me of my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She, you know. She's just she's yeah, the she's, best. She is. No, she's great. Frances, Frances McDormand, she she's phenomenal in this yeah. role. I the, mean, she's phenomenal in everything that she <laughs> yeah, does. I feel the like the thing but, that I love is that she's such like a great like mid like she like plays the role of like persistent Midwestern cop so well like <laughs> like she's just because she's so persistent with her investigating and like so spot on yeah. with everything yeah, but no, just she is but she sounds like like almost like martha stewart or something when she's talking because she's <laughs> okay. just so sweet you know what she, i mean yeah she's just so sweet and <laughs> martha Stewart's she's so personable bad. towards yeah. people and like it's just well and it's funny it's a, not only her character like everyone seems so nice in, yeah, in the, the mid, town in the, the midwest yeah, you know midwest. outside of like wade and stan like those guys seem like pricks yeah definitely yeah no everybody else though no and marge's character like she's great she's she's a phenomenal character she is the best i just love i love her police work i would i want i want like a show where margie mcdormand or mcdormand sorry (laughs) is just solving any kind of crime in minneapolis but (laughs) um but anyways um besides that um i think uh, she's it's just a great character i love one of my favorite scenes too from the movie is like one where we first kind of meet margie where she goes to the blue ox to talk to those two 
girls that Carl oh, yeah, and Gare. Per, yeah, pretty early on with. after you meet her and stuff. And, and just that whole, just the whole exchange between the three of those ladies. Yeah. It's just like oh, a, it's a conversation I could listen to on repeat. Oh, like, it's so good. Just it's like, so yeah, good. the little one was kind of funny looking, you know, just in like a funny kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, okay. It's like, oh, you betcha. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what school like, did you girls go to? It's <laughs> like, oh, what well, I, I went to Bear Lake. Go Bears. <laughs> go Bear. Yeah, right there near White Bear Lake. Go Bears. Go <laughs> Dude, Bears. It's so good. Um, um, no, that's but that's even another thing that I love so much about the movie is uh, these like all the subtle details of of um like specific details of like the locations surrounding it just adds so much more life to the movie itself. Yeah. Like it, it just enriches it mm-hmm. um, with these details. Like so many characters say different, so many different places like Moose Lake, yep. Bear Lake or White Bear Lake. Um, and like the look, Radisson. The, well, yeah. Another place, but there's like specific locations for like the Midwest for like North Dakota where they're at um, like Brainerd, Fargo, like all these places, like all these surrounding areas and it's, all these characters are always like throughout the movie and the dialogue. It's very quick, but like they'll say, "Oh yeah, out near towards you know Moose Lake or out towards yeah. like this area or out to," and they say like tons of different places in the movie. So it really just enriches the storytelling of the movie and like the the feeling, like the life that brings to the movie. Like it yeah. makes it feel more real. Ma- yeah, because makes the characters feel more places. real. Like they yeah. feel like real people instead of just naming generic places. You know, like, um, like for example, the game, the hockey game that he's watching when he goes to ask him the question, well, about the true, the true, uh, sealant, the true, see, the true coat, true, the true coat yeah. sealant. And he's not really asking him and he just goes in and he's watching TV and he's like, he's like, oh, you watching the game or you watching the Gophers? And he's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever he he's says. He's like, you catch the Gophers game last yeah, night. And uh, then he's like, you go into the game on Sunday and he's yeah, like, you betcha. You betcha. Yeah. So. Uh, but another thing, like the the Gophers <laughs> game, instead of saying like, "What are you doing?" You know, watching hockey. Yeah, watching something. hockey. Yeah. You know, watching the Gophers game or no. whatever. You know, yeah, so, so I it's, agree. Uh, so it's, it's just a it's it, it just enriches the storytelling and the the life of the movie. Like it yeah. just makes it feel more that, real. Yeah, so, we we and there's love a lot that of these attention. A, a lot, of, yeah, a lot, tons of those specific details in this movie. I mean, the Coen Brothers do it, and there's a bunch of directors who do it like that, but. Like in this movie, it has so many of these uh, wonderful details that just enrich the story so much. And actually, uh, when I was doing my research, I did learn that um, I don't know if it's still in the same spot today, but I know it was in the top 100 screenplays of all time for the WGA. WGA really? List. Yeah. Well, they did. They, they I won was, an I think, Oscar. I want to say it was like in the top. It was like they, 32 or 34 or something. Well, yeah. Um, well, they, they did. The, the year it came out, Frances McDormand won an Oscar for Best Actress, and then they did also win the winner for the best writing, like best screenplay put on the screen as yep. well. Mm-hmm. So. I'm not surprised. And I mean, I think it's a great screenplay. The biggest the biggest joke of all being that they lie to you right at the beginning about it <laughs> yeah. all being a true story, which got me real good, Cody. Let yep. me tell you, we watched the movie. I was all excited yesterday when I started looking up some more stuff and everything. And I was like, oh, man, dude, I can't wait to find out what true story this movie is actually about. And uh, guys, it's not. Let me tell you right now. It's not. Don't go looking for it. It's kind of based off some true stuff, which I'll go into really quick here. But unfortunately, 
the Coen brothers got us. And I think that's also a, a testament as to why they put that in the beginning of the movie too. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll talk about it. But no, so for those that are wondering, like I was, the 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 true aspects of this movie, there are a few things. Basically what the Coen brothers did was they they really just took a lot of different news, like it wasn't news story clippings of crimes and stuff that were, that had been committed around the area or something. Yeah. It was news story clippings like in the newspapers and stuff that they just, and they just kind of pieced them all together into Mm -hmm. one coherent story. But the, the one most gruesome fact of the true, probably the true murder that really did happen was there was a, a murder of her name was Hilly crafts. She was a woman that lived in, I don't think she lived in Fargo, but she lived in that Midwestern Minnesota area. Um, fortunately, she found out that her husband was cheating on her. Her husband then decided that instead of stopping that, he was going to murder her. So he killed her. He froze her, put her in a freezer, chopped her up, and put her in a wood chipper, guys. So everything that <laughs> Gare did to Carl is everything that that uh, Hilly's husband did to her before he killed her but so so that's fun at least the the wood chipper the most exciting part of the movie that's all real baby that's fact 100 percent. just that's good stuff just not the real people at all but everything else it's not good stuff but no it's tragic poor r.i.p hilly we're sorry that happened to you but anyways um it was that's a real part of the movie that was Mm -hmm. happened another thing actually 100% accurate from the movie that happened in real life was the conversation with Jerry and the guy about the true sealant. That was like almost verbatim. Ethan Cohen had said, uh, uh, a, 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 what am I looking for here? An engagement he had had oh. with a car salesman himself when buying a car. He like literally <laughs> wrote it verbatim from his life into the movie between so Jerry funny. and the salesman. So that was like a thing that really happened as well. But Unfortunately, everything else is all just Hollywood magic, baby. And that's the big joke they were playing on us is that, yep. like, they just use it to get your attention, guys. None they use of it's, it in the TV series, <laughs> too. None, none of it's real in any movie. If any movie tells you it's based on a true story, call bullshit immediately yeah i know i always will from now on i was so i'm that was like the one gripe i had uh, as well like like when i when i found that out when i was researching i kind of like it died a little bit for me like i was like oh really Mm -hmm. i was like what but then i found out that the wood chipper part was based off of a real actual murder and i was like okay that's still kind of fucked but that's pretty cool (laughs) right but um but no, I was, yeah. I was, but, but that's the thing that they say is they, they do it because they're, when they're saying that they're, they're just using it as like a storytelling device just to really grab your attention in and be like, Hey, let's look at this story we found. And that really happened. We brought it to life here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's fantastic. It's, it's a great joke. It pissed me off, but like after watching it more and like <laughs> realizing what the movie is, it's like, God damn it. You guys got me. You got me good. Yeah, they, they did. got me good. They, they did. did. They got me good. So, yeah, no, another another uh, fun fact from it uh, that I enjoyed was that the Corn Brothers gave everyone a book to read. Oh, all that's the actors, right. um, how to talk Minnesotan. Yeah, 
Well, because they needed to. How to talk Minnesotian. They did such a good job with the accents in this movie. Just <laughs> everyone, like all the oh, police yeah. officers. Margie was so good. Yeah, you betcha. Lou and <laughs> Officer Olsen, dude. Mr. Mora. That conversation dude, between that. Mr. Mora and Officer Olsen about where, like, how he's like, he's like, yeah, so my wife told me to call it in there when she heard about those homicides there. And so I did. Uh, End of story. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> End of story. It's just, it's that, so like, funny. I feel like I've I've had that conversation with yeah. someone before. <laughs> like, and it's funny because it's all business, too, in that scene. Like, um, Officer Olsen gets out there, and as soon as he walks up to the guy, to Mr. Mara, he, Mr. Mara says, he just immediately goes into the story. He doesn't even say, like, oh, hey, how's it going or anything. Yeah. He just says, he says, hey, Mr. Mara. And Mr. Mara comes back, and he's like, yeah, so a couple of days ago I was over at my bar and and he just goes into the store and <laughs> or into the story and he's th- he's like these couple guys they come in and blah 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 and he just tells it he just goes into the whole story. Dude, what does he and, say uh, when he's talking about he's like he, he says he's like yeah, he called me a jerk only he didn't use the word jerk. And then, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> But then and then he was like you want to know what happened to the last guy that called me a jerk? He's dead now. You know what that means? And then what what did he say? Uh, oh he's yeah, like, what did he say? He says he's uh, like He's like, well, I think that didn't sound too good for the other guy. Yeah. And the officer's well, like, that no, doesn't probably sound not. Too good for the other guy, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's like, it's so good. It's so funny because it's. And he's just, like, well, what would you say the guy looked like? He's like, he's like, ah, he was funny looking, uh, a little funny looking, small, uh, you know, <laughs> just like the college. Like a, yeah, look like a general guy. Just funny looking in a general way. Yeah, just in a like he way. was described at the yeah. bar too, uh-huh. which is like it's so funny because it's uh-huh. such a great way to describe <laughs> Steve Buscemi. He's just, like he's fantastic, and it's I love so him. He's an amazing actor, but he really is just kind of like funny looking, man. Like you know what I mean? You it's know what so I mean, good. right? Yeah. Exactly. All you guys listening know what we mean too, right? Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, man, I I just I really like there's there's other things that we want I want to talk about too. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit too, but I think a really big like like point too that they drive home with this is like the whole aspect of greed and how like like Marge is giving that that discussion to Gear at the end of the movie when she's driving him to the police office or police station rather, talking about how, you know, there's more to life than just a little bit of money. But she's like, she's like, you know, you killed like the officer, the the two people on the road, you killed Gene, you killed Carl and whatever. And she was like, mm-hmm. oh, what, just for a little bit of money? Like, right. And then she's just like, you know, I just don't get it. And it's so adorable because she's just so pure hearted that she doesn't get why anyone would do anything for money. Yeah. But, but I was like, no, I mean, I kind of see why someone would do this for money. But I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> Right, it's but awful. It's, it, but that's what it but is. But also, it's funny because what's really funny about that entire conversation, that entire monologue at the end that she's talking about, like a little bit of money, is that she doesn't know and Gare doesn't know, but it was a lot more was, money yeah. than what they both are yeah. even think. They, In fact, no one, I, what happened to the money? It's buried. It's buried in the snow. In the snow. No one ever found it. Right. So, no, no one ever found it. And it's funny because anybody could come across that money when the snow melts. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> ah, God, that would be amazing. I hope so. 
That's so funny. Oh man. But yeah, so I don't know. It's it, altogether, I think I just think that the greed is it's very apparent in like saying that that if you're if you're too greedy, you're gonna get involved in stuff that yeah. you shouldn't be involved in and stuff's gonna happen. Or like with Jerry, like he his greed blinded him to the fact that his wife was gonna die and that his kid was gonna be traumatized for the rest of his life because he now no no longer has a mom, a grandpa, or a father, right? Or mm-hmm. like Carl was just like greedy in the sense that he just wanted everything to get done his way, right? And it ended up not going his way and kind of blew up in his face, even though in the end he still got the money and everything, but he still chose to fight with the wrong guy and got, you know, chipped up in a wood chipper. Yep. Got instead of getting instead of getting eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, he right. got turned into eight hundred and fifty thousand pieces. Hey. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great one. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> Ship it. Ship it, baby. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but I mean So Yeah. Yeah, dude. Anyways, I mean I want to kind of talk about um, the framing and some of Roger Deacon's work here and the way that uh, the framing kind of uh, was helping tell the story. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, of course. Because uh, there was a lot of things going on behind the camera in the storytelling and the way that um, the the dynamic of the relationships with uh, of the characters with one another was told through the framing. Um like some of the uh like between Marge and uh what was her uh Norm. Norm. Her yeah, that's her Norm. husband. Yeah. Um like the first scene that you see them to oh, um yeah. is really is a really cool scene. It's a really cool shot, right? When they're eating breakfast, and they're right? Eating, they're eating breakfast, yeah. So they're eating breakfast at the the little their tiny little kitchen table, um, just across from each other. And uh, she's going out to the crime scene, or she's about to, and she gets up, and she's like, all right, I'll see you later, Norm. And she goes out the door, and the camera kind of, like, just pans over a little bit to track her, but it keeps Norm in the shot, keeps, you know, him Mm -hmm. at the table. He's still eating and, I think, reading the paper or whatever he's doing. And uh, she goes outside, gets into the police car, and then she comes out, gets out of the police car, comes back inside. Well, the camera just stays in place the whole time. Um, And it just, uh, it shows, like, not only that, but that's that's the first scene with those two. But not Mm -hmm. only that scene, every scene that those two are in, they're in the frame together. Yeah. Um, They're never separated out of frame from one another. It's never, like, a cut from Margie and a, cut back to norm they're always in the frame together which uh portrays just how close they are yeah it shows their connection their connection yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. (laughs) so um (laughs) we just both said yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly no yeah i agree and then mm -hmm, sorry oh yeah no anyways like so later you know it does that throughout the movie where they're always in this framing together but then like other characters like jerry for example Jerry's character is always in a frame by himself for the most part. And when he's not in a frame by himself, he's in the frame like in the background. He or yeah. where or a character's in the foreground and they're not looking at him, or vice versa, just the character's not looking at him and he's looking yeah, at him. Yeah, he's character. always in like some kind of like triangle. Or yeah, or when right? yeah, when yeah. he's with Wade and Stan, all those scenes are kind of like 
he's basically sitting in between those two. So he kind of feels like the smaller, like he's being like taken on by those two. Like he's at the center and they're just kind of like boxing him in essentially. Like it's just that feeling. And like, it's, it's Roger Deakins work here with the framing and the Coen brothers too. I'm sure they probably all made these decisions together, but um, just with the framing and how uh, they portrayed each, each of these characters uh, in these, in these frames with one another. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was really cool. No, I agree. No, I think, I think it's really great. And I I agree. I think that's really good, especially with, with Jerry too, because it really shows like the, the camera work really does a good job to establish how like, like Jerry's sort of alone, like how we say Mm -hmm. that he thinks he's doing this for his family and everything, but he's really like, he's really doing it because he just wants the money. right? Right. And that's why when we see Jerry, he's always like, alone in the frame right or like mm-hmm. even when um he's like talking i think with his with his wife we never see them really in shot together they're cutting between the two in conversation yeah just like with uh um carl and gare and stuff because it shows that these these people aren't really they're not like they're not connected like yeah. like mm-hmm. margie is with her husband or they're 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 not like good or or stable in the sense of that too or another mm-hmm. thing even with jerry which I, it's like my favorite part of I think my favorite shot now just watching it is the scene where he's talking with the uh, the the GMAC about the financials for the car the first time. Yeah. And he gets, oh, yeah. He gets the call about the serial mm-hmm. numbers and the shot is framed outside w- of outside of the window. But yeah. the blinds are in the front yeah. of the frame to look like prison bars. Yeah. And like like it, the world's closing in. on Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah. Like like to show that his plan is falling apart and he's mm-hmm. realizing that what he was trying to do isn't working out anymore. And he's going to it's like foreshadowing him getting arrested at the end. Yeah. And it was just like it's like the pressure surrounding him yeah exactly and then and then even then like any other time he's back in that office the window blinds are always in shot with him too to show like it's just not that far away those Mm -hmm. prison bars they're coming for him there Mm -hmm. they're gonna catch up to him but yeah i i think that's great with the with the framing because it's like it's a really simple way to to just convey the meaning like not only just in dialogue right like it does a good job of just showing you what's going on without telling you anything yeah absolutely yeah yeah, that's what i was trying to get yeah which i i i love about a lot of movies that do that they you know they don't hold your hand they tell you the problem they give you the math problem they you know it's two plus two or it's two times two but you have to figure out the answer instead of them just walking you through it and telling you, Hey, this is this, and this is this, this is this, and this is this like, no, it kind of lets you put some of the pieces together. Yes. Like some of the violence in it's Fargo. Very, it's very observational camera work. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Well, yeah. and the Coen brothers love to do that type of thing where they really put you in the circle of the action. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Always. They put you right in the middle of that action that's going on. Yes. And, uh, but, oh, I, I do remember what I think I wanted to say was that the coin. No, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> no, but no, you're right. Uh, they, the Coen brothers, they do love to do that. Like they put you like right in the center of like the conversation or the action or or like, like there's like times between like like in the car with Carl and Gare when they're talking about like Pancake's house or they're talking about 
um, like Carl's giving Gare shit for not really talking. Like we're we're sitting in between them because the camera's mm-hmm. going to one side for Carl, one side for Gare. Right. But then there's other times where like they want us to see from outside of the action, right? Like like for example, like with with, with Jerry when the, when they're trying to like paint the picture of how like truly alone Jerry is, like the shot of him walking through the parking lot. Like that mm-hmm. overhead shot with like just him alone in a snow filled parking lot walking yeah. to his car. And it's just like like it just feels lonely. Like you're just mm-hmm. like, wow. And then he gets in his car and it just kind of sits there for a minute. And you're like, wow, this guy is really, yeah. really sad. Right. Then he and gets then, back out. And then he gets back out. And then we're back in the action with him when he freaks out and starts trying to scrape the ice. Yeah. And then we're like back with Jerry again. Yeah. And he's like moving again. But yeah, I no, agree. The camera work is very particular in the way that, I mean, they knew what they were doing. And yeah, okay. I do remember what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Originally, they wanted to film, or at least not originally, but they were thinking, the Coen brothers originally were thinking that they wanted to film it. Uh, basically like a fly on the wall type of movie. Yeah. That was their initial thought about how, how they wanted it to be made. But then when they got to talking with Roger Deakins, they eventually like came to this understanding they wanted to do it this other way, uh, the way that it came to be today. Yep. And also the uh, shot list that they made uh, prior was all stills. They oh. were all, all static shots. The whole movie? The whole movie was all, like, at least the way that they did the shot list. So they knew that it was going to be a very simplistic way that they were shooting it uh, because initially they had all these static shots. They knew that it wasn't really plausible to get only static shots for an entire feature-length movie, but their idea was if they can keep most of it pretty static or pretty still, um, it's just the way, I I guess it's just the way that they want to tell the story, but that's just... That's what their idea was going in, well, but they pretty much like even watching Fargo. Like it is so simplistic in that nature of the film, like the the camera work. It yeah. doesn't have a lot of like these, you know, special bells and whistles for the camera. Or all these special effects and things going on, like a mm-hmm. lot of movies that you see. Um, and that's why I think a lot of it too is like it's like it's in a testament too as well, like. Like the the simple camera work and everything also works because of like like the way they have them all laid out, yes, but also like the performance of the people yeah, in absolutely. there because the camera's not moving around, so like the camera's not doing anything to keep our attention. No, it has to be the story screen. and the people yeah. that keeps your attention, and that's and what they wanted to do with yeah. it. And and I mean, they this movie did did a really good job with that. And they made like, sure that the camera was placed in the most like the framing in every scene was very important to them and Roger yeah, Deakins, as which like, as it should be but it was just like they like every little frame in the movie had to like everything that was being portrayed in that frame had to have a yeah. you know they're just very specific well, everything to was, details yeah. you know well, e- well cause just even, like we talked about Paul Thomas Anderson in the Boogie Nights episode very he's very specific with his details just like we were talking about it in this movie earlier on how the yeah. brothers are very specific with their details and they bring that, you know, more, you know, enriched life to it with these specific details, you know, talking about all these locations, surrounding locations, all these different people and their names and how it's not like the same character playing like, you know, a couple guys or whatever. Not, you know what I mean? Not the same character playing a couple guys, but like always the same, like, like, oh, it's this character and it's like, it's only like, you know, five characters. It's like, 
you're meeting a new character towards the end of the movie uh, with uh, Carl, even when he goes out and yeah, meets the this, escort. The, this escort and like, and then he goes and gets thrown out by gets Shep and everything and the shit Shep, kicked out yeah. of him and everything. Like, yeah, she's not important to the story very much, but like, it's not a reused her- character. It's not but, a rehashed character. Yeah, it's and, important to Carl's character, though, because it yeah. shows that Carl is just a greedy, greedy man who yeah. can't wait for anything. Like, he's bored waiting for the drop or whatever, so he's just out on the town doing whatever. But. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, no, it's just. But yeah, I. Moral of what I'm trying to say is just everything from the framing to everything that they did is just very uh, meticulous, and they're very uh, pinpoint with their what they want and what they did. Like we were, I, I did we mention it already on this? Like when he says, um, uh, "Gare is talking about the pancakes house." No, we have mentioned so, that. So, yeah, no. okay. So, yeah. the pancakes house. Just another very, like, small detail. But it's interesting because... It's the attention to detail that yeah, they put into it. It's yeah. the attention to detail, exactly. And how, you know, he says, Peter Stormare, the actor that plays Gare, he, uh, the first take that they did, he said, you know, the pancake house. Because uh, he was like, you know, it's not called the pancakes house. It's called the pancake house. So, yeah. it's probably just a typo. So, he says, like, the first take that they did, he's like, oh, yeah, the pancake house. And the Coen brothers like call them on the mic and they're like, Hey, what are you, what are you saying there? And he's like, what? I said the pancake. And they're like, yeah, it's not, it's with an S. You got to say it with the S. He's like, Oh, I thought that was a typo. He's, and they're like, no, no, that's very deliberate. That's, <laughs> There's no typos in our no script. There's no typos in our script. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's like, such uh, an amazing. And he's like, Oh, okay. So directors he says the pancakes house. Up. Yeah. Directors crack and, uh, me up. But it's, or, it's stuff like that that make things or with better Jerry because stutters, people right? make mistakes in real life. People yeah. stutter in real life. People have these things, these quirks about them in real life. People aren't perfect. You know, real life is not perfect. Pe- like, so when a movie is very pristine and perfect and it doesn't have these little, you know, stutters or these little like things or people not knowing what a word means or mm-hmm. like, you know, certain things like that, like it wouldn't really yeah. feel as... Uh, but like even lifelike, the, you know? but yeah, the cool part is that even like Jerry's like Jerry stutters that he like has and like all of the like rambling and stuff like all that was scripted too. Like yeah. none of it was improvised yeah. by mm-hmm. Macy. It was all scripted. So which is even better. Well, yeah, and that's why that's just the testament to how good the script really is. Like what and, what a masterclass yeah. and of a, a testament script to how the Coen brothers can write yeah. and their sense of like just character yeah. building and everything. Like exactly. it's it's, a, it's incredible. To it really just, is because even the way. Jerry does it like it feels like it's a way that it's like it's not like written in you know what I mean like it doesn't mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have guessed it was scripted unless I think actually famously a lot of people do try to do do have thought that it was improvised by Macy but he's like no guys that was all scripted and everything too um but I think I mean yeah man the other thing too there's like a couple other fun facts too for just like things that they did for the movie as well like like, so the movie obviously takes place in the winter in Minnesota, and the year they filmed it actually happened to be the hottest summer that Minnesota had had, so they really didn't have a lot of snow in the winter mm-hmm. anymore, which were they were, like, super pissed off about. So there's actually a couple of scenes, like the first scene 
when uh, Carl takes his car back to the airport to sw- steal the license plate from another car for the dealer car, mm-hmm. that parking lot, that's all full of snow on the top of the parking garage. If you it's all fake. Well, it, yeah, it's fake yeah. snow. If you look in the background, you can see that every other parking lot, there's no snow anywhere else. But they, so they <laughs> like, and that's why they only got one shot to do with that scene is because they couldn't refill all of the lines and everything from the snow. So those yeah. shots, they did it once in one take. But, like, that's just, like, like they're, the Coen brothers are like, oh, crap, it's not this snowy out. Well, we got to make it this snowy out. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? And and th- it's that attention to detail that, like, for me, that's what makes the movies. Like, when you are willing to go that extra mile mm-hmm. and get like that thing that you want to get done. Cause it's always, always, always a lot easier said than done making anything like that happen. Yeah. So like, it's just, it's incredible a feat to filmmaking. And I think that's why the Coen brothers have now become such the incredible filmmakers that they are today. Yeah. they that incredible attention to detail and story writing and story making. Yeah. I agree, dude. Yeah. Um, I love the Coen Brothers, man. I and I know, I I know you haven't seen it in its entirety, but like there is something that I feel like kind of connects this movie to No Country for Old Men in a okay. sort of way. Um, and uh, I know we're gonna do No Country in the future at some time. I don't yeah. know when, but I know we're gonna get to it. Um, but no, I it, it's something that connects kind of. Uh, so Marge, Marge's character, her. I feel like she kind of is a similar character to um, Ed, played by Tommy Lee Jones in okay. No Country for yeah. Old Men. He's the sheriff, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the sheriff. So, like, they're kind. I feel like they're they're similar. Um, they're, they're different characters, but I feel like they share some similarities. Um, yeah. In the way that they're, you know, both hunting down these very, you know terrifying horrifying cases of murder yeah you know counts of murder and stuff and so i feel like obvious the movies are a bit different you know they're quite different but Mm -hmm. just those two characters i feel like share some similarities and i can't say much more than it because i don't i knew you haven't seen the whole movie all the way through we'll we'll talk about um, that when we get to that it's definitely something that i wanted to just say because I do feel like they share some similarities, at least personally. Yeah. Like, I do feel like there's some things that, key things that are different between their characters, but there are some things that I feel like are similar, and it's, you know, they're connected because Coen Brothers did both films, so yeah, that's makes, why I felt that it was sense. relevant yeah. to say. No, I agree. That's totally relevant. I wish I could discuss it more with you. I just no, that's okay. I, no we'll, we'll do it on No Country yeah. when we get to No yes, Country. We we'll, we'll relate will. back to how we think Ed relates back to... To Margie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Margie, Margie is one of my favorite, like, on-screen characters I've ever seen in a movie. Like, I just, just the Midwestern, like, just pregnant cop man. Like, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Oh, what she's great. Incredible did you know, role. Did you dude. know that Frances McDormand, at the time that she got this role, she was actually looking for a role that was, like, she could play, like, a psychopath. Or like I did uh, read that, yeah, like, like a, sort of a murderer like, or something, right? Well, yeah, yeah, like or like she wanted like some badass. She role, wanted basically. some thrilling, yeah. yeah. And uh, she got this, and she didn't think that it was gonna be like what it ended up being at first. But she's like thrilled that she she got to play the part because yeah. it was very layered 
uh, even though she's a pretty simple character, like it, there's a lot of layers because because of the yeah. way going back to the attention to detail that we keep bringing up, just the way that like the Coen brothers like made sure like I, I I'm sure that they do this with all their films, but they make sure that their characters have like a story like before well yeah like, well what even, we see on camera her, and after what we see well, on camera her margin, she makes they make sure that like they talk to the actors like hey like you know this is the story before this is the story after or or if they don't know it they make sure that they think of it well, yeah well like Marge own, and norm like, had the they came up with their own backstory before yeah. filming that they had both worked together and uh, met on and the force, force they got yeah. married mm-hmm. and decided that Marge should keep being a cop because she was a better cop than Norm was. Yeah. And Norm would stay at home, which yep. it's so cool. It's great. And I mean, Marge is a fucking awesome cop, dude. Yeah, she she's is. She's so good she's at so her good job. At it. She shows up to the crime scene at first and she's like, oh, well, it looks like like this happened there. They found that they got pulled over by the state trooper there. They shot him and yep. the couple witnessed it, unfortunately, there. And they drove back down here and shot him dead. Yeah. And then she's like, she bends over. She's like, you about to be sick there, Marge? She's like, nope. Nope. Just feel like I'm about to barf. It's the morning uh-huh. sickness. <laughs> like, it's so. It's so good. It's so good. She's such like a powerhouse, man. I love Marge so much. She's a great character. Yeah. She's just she she's really so is. good. She's so, like, she wants justice for everyone, man. And mm-hmm. she also is, like, happily living at home with a family. Like, fucking A, Marge. Fucking A. She's living the dream, dude. She's great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, anyways, I mean, I guess we could just break down the ending here. Uh, how, yeah, it, how it all it, wraps yeah, up. I guess it, the way it all wraps up, obviously, we talked about earlier. Carl meets the uh, the unfortunate end of a wood chipper. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up getting cut up after trying to keep the car from Gare. Yeah, um, after he's buried all that money and everything. Yeah, uh, after he buried the money. I Wade's, don't think no Wade's one... Dead. Wade's dead. Well, Wade, but what happened to Wade's yeah, body? What did happen to Wade's body? We didn't know. So co- we... So, yeah, so we determined, you know, Jerry comes after Wade goes up to the parking garage. Mm-hmm. And he gets there as after all the events. He gets there as Carl is driving away. Yeah. He passes him in the garage yeah. yep. in the golden Carl, Sierra. Yeah, Carl almost hits him basically. And yeah, he swerves out the way, and then he gets up there to the top of the parking garage, and he sees Wade, Wade dead. He pops his trunk. He pops the trunk, and that's the last shot we see before he's coming back down and driving out of the parking garage. And then we see a shot of him driving out of the parking garage. Do we see him drive out of? Oh, we do because you drives see the past guy the who, who, yeah, who Carl, who Carl shot. shot. Yeah, and then it cuts to him being. I think it fades to black again, but it goes back to or it goes back to him being at home. He gets home. He gets home, yeah. and he's not. He's not covered in dirt. He's not cut. He he's doesn't got have dirt. Some snow he's got on his snow shoes. on his shoes, but it's snowy outside, so that's kind of natural. So, like, did so did he throw Wade in the trunk? Is Wade in the trunk of his car? Is Wade? I have to feel like did he, he leave Wade. Like, he why to have, did he pop the trunk? You know, well, he, he totally, to he totally, Wade, he totally took you know? Wade somewhere. For sure, but it's just the question is where or what did he do with it? Like, do you and, think, and if not, is he getting charged for Wade's murder at the end of the movie? <laughs> do you think that's why they? Well, because well, he, if he's in the trunk of his car still, why is he on the run in the end? See, why did he run away? Because he didn't have Scotty with him in the end when he got arrested either. No, right? he didn't. No, he left. He just left Scotty. He just left because he was at work the one day, and that's when he left. He just took off because Marge came there. You're uh, right. Yeah. To. Asked to question him again, and he was like, About oh. the missing he's cars. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go. 
I'm gonna do the go do the count right now. Yeah, well, because at that point he's like, oh shit, I'm totally caught. Like, yeah. oh fuck. And then and so he says he's gonna go do an inventory and drives away. But I don't do. I mean, there's no way that he kept the body. He had to. have... Maybe it's in like no, his garage. I, no, there's no way he kept it. There ain't no way he keep the body in the trunk. I mean, then again, I don't know. It doesn't tell you. I mean, and that's Jerry the was kind of stupid. It's like yeah, he was kind of. Jerry stupid. was kind of an idiot. He was kind of dumb and naive, and you know, yeah, and really dumb. Who knows? Honestly, who knows? The the Cohen brothers left it open, so I guess it's just maybe they left his. Maybe he left his body there and didn't end up taking it. Maybe he did end up taking it, and he gets home, no. and you see the snow on his boots, and it's just maybe that's because he was out burying him. Yeah, or maybe, And he was, yeah. like, so tired. Scotty's still, Scotty's still up. What is What time does Scotty say it's, what does he say, like, a certain time? I don't and, think so. He says that, he, he says Stan called when he gets back in, and then, and he's yeah. like, you going to call him dad? And then yeah. he's just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to bed now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just like, I just buried my wife's dead dad. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> or did something to it. I don't know what he did. We don't know. We'll did never something. know. Not going to know. But Yeah, we'll never know. But then, but so Carl dies too. Gene is dead. Wade is dead. Stan is not dead. Scotty is not dead. No. Margie is not dead. Gare no. is not dead, but going to prison. Yeah, for chopping up Carl in a wood chipper and murdering and other people. murdering three other people, <laughs> four other people because he killed yeah, the Gene, cop, the cop, the and the two in the car. That oh, that is such a thrilling scene, man. When they he killed when five he, people. Who's the who else? Carl. Oh, you're right. He killed five. Yeah, because he killed Carl, Carl Gene, Gene, the cop, and the two people. Yeah, that's five. Wow. What a what a kill list that guy. He got yeah. he got some blood. Yeah, he shed he got some, some blood, blood on his before hands. Before Margie got her yeah. hands of justice. Blood has been shed, Jerry. Yeah, blood has been shed. I love it. Circumstances have changed, Jerry. Blood has been shed. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that, Jerry? Blood has been shed. I want the full eighty thousand now. He's like, what do you mean, blood what has do you been mean shed? Blood? He's like. He's like, well, it didn't end up so well for the three people in Brainerd there, did it, Jerry? He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? What did you do? <laughs> so, yeah, oh. I mean, that's pretty much uh, the the ending there. And Margie, you know, she goes back home. She's back to She's living happy, life with Norm. Yeah, living life, having her, going to have her baby. We actually, we, we end the movie with Margie and Norm the same way we met them, laying in bed together. Yeah. Watching TV. Watching TV, yeah. Enjoying their little life together. As they which should. Is, which is nice. Job well done for Margie there today. She solved a big, big murder case. Two things that we didn't touch on that I want to touch on real quick. First thing, uh, when after she arrests uh, Gare and they're driving past the Paul Bunyan yeah. statue. And he looks at the Paul Bunyan statue right after she gives her wonderful monologue yep. um, about... About money being good and comes more to life than money mm-hmm. yeah and uh they drive past the paul bunyan no welcome to brainerd and gare looks over at the paul bunyan he's still not saying he still has the same look that he's had the entire movie his look his facial expression has not changed not one bit the only difference here is he doesn't have a cigarette in his mouth yeah he's not the marlboro man right now <laughs> yeah you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh so he looks over at the the Paul Bunyan statue, and he obviously he has some sort of thought in this moment. You can clearly tell, like there's because just again attention to detail. Yeah, the Cohen brothers did this deli- like deliberately so that 
we saw it and would think something of it. What is he thinking in this moment? I don't know. I you do, know I because I mean, he is a sociopath. We've seen him and we know his character. So like that's what he is. That's like through and through. We know how he he killed five people in the movie. I mean, I think well that's what he like. So what is he? Is he thinking, man? I wish I had that axe right now so I could kill this bitch. I think it is because here's or, why. Because she's giving him like a lecture about yeah. greed and money. And, and he he's doesn't just like, it. I bitch, I just wanna kill you. Like yeah. I don't I don't care about yeah. the money. I just That's wanna, what I'm thinking too. Yeah. I think you're right. I that's that that's I like that makes sense to me. Is that I'm yeah. just thinking like he's like, I don't want I'm why am I getting lectured right now? Yeah. Like I'm like twice the size of this woman. That's like how he's felt the whole movie. He's just like, I don't like why are you lecturing me about not talking yeah like, leave right me the fuck alone yeah exactly <laughs> like, like he's you know? just trying to he's i mean gary's just living his life dude yeah. he's just trying to be a simple sociopath yeah man. simple just, sociopath like, let him live in silence and murder people jesus christ so leave him alone. yeah that was one thing i wanted to bring up which i just thought was uh i like that um, no that's a really that good yeah that's a good little end. like that's a good kind of like little haha moment it's just like bitch shut up i don't care like because yeah. he looks over <laughs> and he looks at the paul Bunyan and he's just like yeah. and he has that same or, Facial he, expression that he's had the whole movie. He, maybe he thinks give a he shit. is Paul Bunyan in some way. I don't think so. That's weird. So Paul Bunyan didn't murder anyone, did he? Yeah, I don't think he thinks he's Paul Bunyan. No. But anyways, the only other thing oh, that I wanted to touch that I wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on yet is um what was his name? Mikey. Mikey? Uh the Asian guy. Mike Yaganita. Mike Yaganita. Yes, Mike Yaganita. That's who Margie So met. this yeah. is the only thing that we didn't touch on that happens in the movie. I know you, the first time you saw it, you were probably like, why is this scene in the movie? Um, But, uh, no, I, I, I think the scene's in the movie just really to, uh, I know you f- figured out why it was in the movie. Yeah. But just to really uh, shed some light on Margie's character, yeah. who she is, more background to who she is. Um, the type of person that she is, the way that she is, like, again, back to the framing thing, because uh, in the scene when she meets with him to have lunch, mm-hmm. which, again, she's having lunch with him, not dinner. Another key thing, dates are dinner. Lunch dates are, like, work dates. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, so the, just the fact that she chose to go on a lunch date with him and yeah. not a dinner date just kind of shows the type of person that she is. Again, just reinforces that. And then they go on the date and they're at the lunch date and he immediately is kind of like a little bit pushy, like, he's you know, like, yeah, what can her, I like, get you to drink? And then he's like, sit next yeah, to can you? I sit? and he goes over and he goes over to sit next to her. And he, so he climbs into the frame, into the booth, booth with her. And, uh, and at the, the very, like, as soon as he does it, you could see the uncomfortability out of her. Like yeah. she kind of is like, you know, like she has this face because and she's it's not like, Norman frame no, no, no. with her. It doesn't feel yeah. right. Yeah. And she's like, you go back <laughs> over there. And he's like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just very, um, just another like tension, just another small detail in the way that it's done and the way that it's framed and how she reacts to it and everything. And it feels, feels awkward for us even in the moment because of the way that it is, especially just, knowing uh, her relationship with Norm prior to that in the way that just like on a subconscious level, because when you're watching a film, especially for the first time and you're seeing like the way that things are framed, but you didn't know that they were framed deliberately like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though like, you know, most movies, things are framed in a deliberate sense, obviously, but things that are like really help push the story forward 
in that type of way, in the way that it was framing Norm and her together, showing that relationship and that connection that they share with one another. But then like everybody else is separate from her. Yeah. Um, and then the only other time that you see her in the same shot with someone is when he climbs into the booth with her and it feels very awkward yeah it feels awkward for um, us and it too, feels awkward right? for us but yeah. it's because on a subconscious level we've already been trained that norm should be the only one there yeah uh with her yeah it's really cool um, yeah and so it has this different type of effect uh and i just it's just another like detail that i really i, I really enjoy i just I, I like that. No, a lot I, yeah, it. I agree. I like um, how they're able to make just, us feel like that too. It's yeah. like they show us, it's like that, like you just get so, it's like you're so used to seeing them on screen with one person and then you see mm-hmm. them with someone else. You're like, well, that doesn't look right. Like, yeah. That and feels, yeah, that feels And yeah, wrong. you, you feel the same Awkward. way too. Like you're like, whoa, this is weird. Like you're kind of worried. There's like, whoa, is something going to happen? Like Marge isn't about to cheat on Norm or anything, right? Right. And no, then, but you, you're picking it up from a character that that's like, no, like all signs point to no, she's not. Yeah. She's she's just a f- being friendly because yeah, that's exactly. how she is. Yeah, she's just nice. She's and, a nice uh, lady. Yeah, exactly. Which is also why she doesn't kill Gare in the end because she's yeah. like a good person. She has good morals and she yeah. doesn't, like if she doesn't have to kill somebody, she is not going to kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, like sometimes that can end up getting people in trouble uh, if they're in a dangerous enough situation, but at the same time, you know, Luckily enough for her, it doesn't get her in trouble. She's just a badass yeah. cop. That's why. And she is. She's yeah. very good at what she does. So she she's careful in yeah. her approach and very careful she understands thing and yes. things and she has very good attention to detail. Oh yeah. Dude, especially man. Um but yeah, dude, I like and then you end up finding out that uh, Mikey was lying about everything that he said on the day about his wife. Yeah, well, yeah, he tells he tells Margie that that he was married to this woman Linda. Yeah, because you find out up, that they went to high school yeah, together and all this. He ended up marrying this woman Linda that they went to high school with, who ended up dying of cancer. But then later on, we find out after the date or the lunch date, we find out that Mike was never married to Linda and in fact lied about everything <laughs> and had. Uh, I think they said he was having some problems, like psychiatric psychiatric problems. Yeah. Or it was some kind of delusion that he was with Linda and had a family. But, yeah, but that's just another thing that it shows, like, how Margie's also, like, she's so, like, good and kind-hearted that she, like, didn't even notice that something like that was happening. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, she was like, I'm just going out to lunch with a friend. Like, I haven't seen him in years. This will be fun. But... No, yeah, yeah and that's such a nice person. Yeah, know? it's great. And then I love too how they're like, "Oh yeah, you should call Linda. She's doing great." Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, okay." It's like you should call oh. her. <laughs> She'd love so, to hear from you. It's so yeah, man. it's so Midwest. I love it so much. It is. I can't get over it. Um <clears throat> Yeah, dude. I, there's there's so many uh, good things about this movie, man. I love Fargo. Yeah, Fargo's I do fantastic. too. It's, it's great. I I was a little pissed that it wasn't a true story at first. I was a little upset that they lied to me, but now I just know to never trust the movie when they say that. Yeah. So now I know for real, and everybody else knows that as well. Let this be a lesson to you, listener. Let this be a lesson, he said. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. I mean... You got anything else you want to say about Fargo, man? Anything else you want to touch on before we sign off here? I mean, oh, yeah, I do, actually. One last thing that we didn't actually mention yet. The music. 
Oh, I uh, really love the music and yes, the atmosphere that the course. movie creates. The atmosphere. How could we and forget? And the score. The score is incredible um, in this movie. It's so good. Uh, mm -hmm. I love it. I, I love, mean, I, yeah. I, I'm a nerd for just music, like good music in general. But like the score in this movie is very. Um, it just sets the atmosphere really. It, it matches the atmosphere very well. Out, you know, in the Midwest, in this very um snow white town mm -hmm. uh slash city um out in the middle of you know Brainerd and Fargo and then going downtown and all that stuff and it's basically just like this snow white atmosphere though with yeah, this like really like the music too it melancholic has this, music. Yeah that, like this sort of like almost like at times it's intense at times it's like melancholic yeah, or it's almost like this like, like western funny type feel in a way. too. Like, yeah like it's a little jestery at points too like. When like it's some of it's funny, some of it's intense. It's it, it, the score matches the scenes really well whenever mm -hmm. they're using it, and the music is always used really well to highlight or accent whatever's going on on the screen. Yes. As as any good score should be doing in any movie, is it should make sense as to why it's there. You yes. know what I mean? Like, um, I think it's great. I really love the music. The opening, I think the the opening score, like as like where like is so like intense, and it's just like the the screen's all white out, and you see like it's just the haze of headlights driving through, and you're kind of like, what, what's going on right now? Like, what's happening in this movie? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and it's just it's so much fun. The music, I I really enjoy this score. Yeah, sort of like how Signs was like that too. Mm -hmm. with the score really driving almost like the action and stuff at points. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Very, dude. Yeah, so many good things about this movie. It's so. a great movie. I I definitely hope you know if you've listened this far that you've seen it. If you haven't and listen, I hope you now go decide to watch it. Um, yeah. Is it streaming anywhere? Um. I think you can rent it on you can uh, rent a few it different on Amazon I, It's not Apple. streaming anywhere for free, I don't yeah. think, currently. Maybe on, like, Stars or something if you have that. Yeah, I think that might be the case. But I don't think we it's, it's not, it. yeah, it's not on HBO or anything there. But um, but fantastic film, great Coen Brothers movie out of their amazing catalog of films. Um, It's just great. It I'm is. glad we watched it. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, you me know? too, man. Glad it won I mean, the bracket. Yeah, we're going to do more Coen Brothers movies in the future, of course. Um, but so this many. was a great first one to do. Yeah, one uh, that I've never seen. Even one, better. Yeah, even, I'm, was glad, I'm glad. Really good. One. I mean, I'd heard of it, of course, but I'd like I knew like I knew about the wood chipper, but I didn't know like what happened or how we got there. Right. Like as actually yeah. funnily enough, the reason I knew about it is because you remember the game seen it. From like the early two thousands, it was like a movie board game. Yeah, like yeah. There so was you a, saw the scene. Yeah, I saw the scene from the Fargo girl, the and seen it. No, yeah. it wasn't. Well, there was that scene, the but then there was another oh. scene with the wood chipper as well. Oh, okay, okay. They, yeah, and so like I was like, and my I remember my dad and mom always being like, "Oh, that's such a good movie." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, so it's nice to finally understand and have seen the movie there. You know, that it's, is it's funny. really cool. It's exciting. <laughs> I love Marge. I wish every cop in the world was like Margie um, McDormand. I think she's great. Pure, innocent. Pure, innocent. Just wants justice for everybody. Yeah, very you kind. Know, even just 
Like, it's, it's so funny. It's so great. What a great character to carry us through this intense, like, tale of murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. such a lighthearted attitude. The most every redeeming time she's character the in the movie. I love it. I love oh, her. Oh, yeah. She's, she's so, great. She's so awesome. She's fantastic. Frances McDormand's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, it is, uh, I did look it up. It is streaming on stars. If you have stars, uh, or canopy or, uh, direct TV, if you have direct TV, there you go. Bam. Um, so streaming for free That's on those you can, find and then it, you can, you can, uh, rent it stream or buy to rent it. on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, Vudu, Redbox. And, uh, yeah. And that's it, guys. I think without further, I mean, well, without further ado, we don't have to say that there. I think that's been Fargo. I this think is, that has been Fargo. If whoa, daddy, oh, daddy. We just finished the episode. Whoa, daddy, oh, daddy. <laughs> I love the <laughs> we, name, dude. The title we, of the episode we, that yeah. we came up with is but, fantastic. And yeah, so thank you guys for listening tonight or today, whenever you listened. We appreciate you being here. Um, just before we sign off here, uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can like us on Facebook at The Midnight Reel. Follow us on Twitter at Midnight underscore Reel. Uh, we're also available on Google Podcasts now. If anyone wants to listen there, we're available on that. And also, pretty exciting announcement, we are going to be showing up on TikTok one of these days. So keep an eye out for us on TikTok. We're going to be doing some... Just some fun little clips of the podcast, maybe over B-roll footage of the films we're talking about here. Just a little fun little snippets for you guys. So we hope you like that as well. Anyways, thank you for listening. My name's Brendan. My name is Cody. This has been the Midnight Reel. We will see you next time. Peace. Peace out.